Welcome to the new and improved Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is now a place where we interview senior thought leaders in the SAP space across Australia and New Zealand. And the aim is to tap into their knowledge so we can pass on their insights to the listening SAP community. Please subscribe to the podcast and like, share and comment across Castos, YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to donate to the cause, please click the link below. And we are back. We're back for another edition of the Configure It Done podcast. And my colleague, Chris Reed has been invited some fantastic guests onto the podcast. Um, he started off with Carl Mulligan. Carl Mulligan spoke about his career and his consultant experience. And then we were lucky enough to have Karen Vitter on the Configure It Done podcast. And she's the head of Sorg Summit. She was speaking about some of the topics that SAP customers are talking about at the minute. But today, a fantastic guy, um, again, Chris, um, invited him onto the podcast. And this guy, he's um, sold two consultancies and he's just started his third uh, Jarvis Consulting. Um, and he has a fantastic ambition to, to grow this consultancy to 30 plus people. Um, and he really bases it on um, honesty, trust, and transparency. Um, and he also talks about the secret ingredient to building a successful business and a successful consultancy. So on the podcast today is Robin Apfel. Please listen, like, share, and comment, and enjoy. Yeah, welcome to um, Season 7 of the Configure It Done podcast um, with my colleague again, Chris. Chris, you've uh, brought another amazing guest on. Yeah, today we've got Robin Apfel from, from Jarvis Business Consulting. Um, Robin's been working closely with us over the last few months since since starting up Jarvis, um, a new consultancy here in Australia. Um, so thanks for coming, Robin. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's quite exciting to be here. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So Robin, let's, let's dive straight in. I want to um, delve deep into your background. Um, can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about how you got into SAP, um, and um, yeah, yeah, basically how you got into it and what? Yeah, sure. In your I can, um, I can definitely give you a little bit unusual actually. So, um, my background is I'm qualified as an engineer, um, and I finished uni fairly young when I was 21 or so. I had a bursary, so I had to, um, I had to stay and work and do my three years, uh, which was actually fine. Um, but a friend, my best friend, um, he got a job with a company called Unilever. Um, and this is going back a long time. I've been embarrassed to talk about the dates, but it was somewhere around the mid-90s. And um, and anyway, he we were both very young. He was 22. Um, and he got put on this uh, SAP project. Um, and none of us had even heard of SAP um, at that stage. In fact... I'm embarrassed to say at university, we didn't even have computer science or anything like that. Literally, I was working with a one of those sort of 386 old school machines. But anyway, this friend of mine, Mike, went down and he was working there and he did, um, he took up a FICO position, I think. Mm -hmm. And within 12 months, when he was still 22, he got offered a role in New York, uh, all expenses played, no tax, $200,000. And off he went at 22 years old. And I was working in a workshop, you know, up to my elbows in oil <laughs> as an engineer. Um, and certainly his looked a lot more attractive. Um, but anyway, after 
after that, I sort of I always had SAP in the back of my mind, um, and I started traveling around the world. Ended up um, in Perth actually on a round the world trip. Uh, ended up staying there, and lo and behold, uh, actually, I, I, after I'd done my backpacking and everything, as you are when you're 24. Sorry, this is a long-winded story about how I got into oh, that's SAP. Good. I like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I went back into engineering. I was working on oil rigs uh, off WA, which was amazing. It was a great experience. I mean, the work was just fabulous. Um, but Mike, this mate of mine, came back and we did a Contiki tour around New Zealand, as you do. Um, and uh, I was chatting to him. I was like, I've got to get into this SAP thing, man. Like, well, you know, what's it about? And so he was still there. Yeah, back in yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he's flying business class around the world and you, and all this sort of stuff, yeah. you know. So, um and so I said, oh, do you think it's too late? And he said, oh, I don't know. No, it's probably not too late. You know, this is in money, money six. Um, and anyway, he, he was trying to be, people were trying to recruit him into a couple of opportunities. Um, and there was one in, in Perth and I was living in Perth at the time. And, um, so I said, just give me the guy's number, you know, and I'll go and have a chat to him. So, um, he did. And the guy, um, happened to be a South African dude, which was just, you know, coincidental. And anyway, we ended up in a bar with this guy, him and I, and we didn't talk about the job for about three hours, just stayed in the bar. And then we went to watch the cricket. And at the end of that, they actually offered me a job. Um, mm. so they, they took on my visa, offered me a job. They were going to train me up. Um, and basically that's how it started. So I got in there. I didn't even know how you literally never seen an SAP screen, nothing, but they were going to, they took me on and, and that's how, that's how it started. There's a lot in that, um, Robin, around soft skills and the ability to be able to connect with people and tell a story. And a lot of um, like SAP consultants are obsessed with the the, the system and being technical. And yeah, yeah there's there's a lot into that and how you got into SAP. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I think there are two sides to that, right? You you, um, you know, some of the top people in SAP are just those sort of technical gurus that you can never beat. And then at the end of the day. You know, if the system works incredibly well, you know that's always going to be a winner. I'm I'm just not that guy. Right. <laughs> so I was much more around the software skills. I was supposed to be that guy as an engineer and and all that sort of gear. But um, I was always much more around. Oh my God, I have to learn this stuff so I can at least you know hold my own. But then much more around the softer sides. And I guess I sort of moved away from the hardcore. I did I did my you know, I did my due, so I became, I had to teach all the courses. I, I used to teach the SD Academy, so I had to learn that. But I've got a funny story. The first, the very first, I just joined this company, right? And they had a project in Perth at, um, I won't I won't name them, but anyway, it was quite a uh, large cooperative. And um, I was told that I was going to be a PS trainer no i had literally never logged on to sap in my life and i went in there yeah yeah. Yeah. and i went in there to do to do the training and i my main aim was just not to get found out on the on the the first day so i just i worked out how to log on and look busy and like copied the person next to me and then in the evenings i would stay up till four o'clock in the morning just working out what I had to do just to say, and I did that for two weeks. I mean, it was like the most stressful thing I've ever done, but everybody has to do that, right? You just have to survive and you get through that. Um, and then you sort of just, you know, you, you learn, you learn your way through, I guess. What's that quote? Fake it till you make it. And then, well, make yeah, it, I mean, make it. I, you know what it's like. You, you just have to take the opportunity because if you go in there and say, oh, sorry, I don't know how to do this. It's going, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, 
it's going to be a tough old gig. Um, but yeah, so just carrying on on that theme, I mean, um, so I had the two weeks and then they had no work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a company called Progress Pacific actually. And, um, and they had no work. So it was amazing. I mean, I was, again, I was still 26. I was fully salaried. I, I was on like 30% more than I was as a, mm-hmm. as an engineer. And so I just traveled, you know, just learned all around Australia. I was all up and down the Western Australia, all over into the East Coast and did all that. But eventually, you know, I was thinking, well, it's all, it's pretty cool, but I do want to have a career. So I, I phoned the owner at the time and I said, you know, dude, this is good, but I need to learn. So the only thing that um, they had was um, a gig in, in Sydney. So I moved over to Sydney and started working as a project engineer, which is just somebody who supports, you know, the, the PMO office really. Mm. Um, and that was amazing because that got me onto a, a project that was doing an imp- implementation in a medical company. And it was a small, close-knit team, only, only five consultants. And uh, we basically ran there for 10 years, and I learned everything in there. I mean, we, you know, we were in Korea, we were in Japan, we were all over the place. And um, and that's really where I learned my skills as a, as a consultant. Um, and I ended up being project manager, pretty bad one, I'd say, but <laughs> not everybody thought so, but I hated it. Um, but yeah, that's how I got out of the, out of the tech stuff and, and much more into the softer skills side. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. So I'm, I'm fascinated to learn, um, Robin, to obviously someone there, um, back in 96, they gave you an opportunity based on your soft skills. So that was you starting out, but now you're on the, you know, you've built businesses and you, you would have interviewed hundreds of, of people. Yeah. Do, do you naturally look for them soft skills first or totally i mean yeah i'm never going to be the person that does the tech interview i've got you know tech experts that'll Mm -hmm. that'll do that um but my mantra has always been um to if i see somebody that's really exceptional i'll hire them regardless like if we don't have work if we don't have anything i'll just hire them um and build the business around them i think because uh it's, I don't know. I mean, you make, everybody makes mistakes in judgments of character, but you've got to back yourself, I think. Mm. Um, and when you get, uh, when you can see somebody that has, I don't want to say the gift of the gap, but the ability to set people at ease, mm. um, the ability to, com- to uh, communicate very well, um, that's 80% mm. of, of the role, actually, in what, unless you're just doing sort of back end dev work, um, you know, it's, it's really about taking people along the journey and that's the hardest part. Mm. So yeah, I, I go in hard for that. That's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess, you know, you, you mentioned about your, your early career, obviously, you know, the SAP market at the moment, it is, you know, a bit, bit of an aging talent pool for these younger consultants that are coming through. What would you say are some of the challenges that they, that they face? And I guess challenges you might have faced that they can learn from. It's an interesting one, right? Because, um, I've just started another SAP consultancy eight months ago and my whole life I've been concerned that SAP is a dying breed and it's just full of dinosaurs and, <laughs> and, uh, and all the rest of it. But if, if you have a look at it, I mean, um, SAP is still owns whatever percentage of the fortune 500 companies, you know, and even though that's the core stuff and there's not that much excitement around all that sort of, they still are involved in all the massive organizations and mm. they've made, um, 
so many acquisitions to bolt on and try and compete that don't always win. For example, in the CRM space, they know where you compete to Salesforce, but they still do have full stack um, uh, set of solutions that they're, that they're able to offer. And I think coming back uh, to your question, Chris, it's interesting, right? It depends what uh, where where people want to focus. I mean, some of the new technology that SAP has, the non-core stuff is um, is quite exciting. Um, and the whole concept of that that bimodal approach where, you know, you can just do the core um, and do the flexible edge. I mean, I used to have a business called Blue Leader uh, with some partners and um, and we were specialized in the CX space. And that was um, that was amazing, actually. We did some some really exciting things around sales, service, marketing and e-commerce, mm. um, which and e-commerce, I mean, it's not the leading brand in SAP, but you know they they're very competitive and they're still winning very 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 big programs. So I think there's a lot of scope as a young person still to learn and get onto those big transformational programs where um, you can do a lot of different things as well as just the traditional core that SAP is known for. They have a hell of a lot of other areas that you can get your hands dirty in. Mm. And I guess I don't know if that answers your question. No, definitely, hundred percent. What? Continuing along the line of um, start, start, starting businesses and selling businesses, obviously you, um, you've done two, and this, this is your third one now. Um, I'm not you... selling this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the, uh, the secret sauce to a successful business? Uh, I think, um, honestly, um, I, I think you just need to uh, be transparent. I, I think you need to pick a very, very good team. But uh, if I was to name one thing, it would be culture um, yeah. within within a company. Uh, that's my main focus, actually, always is to get the culture right, um, you know, and to try and have fun. I mean, you know, when you're doing these projects and you're in these businesses, um, it, it, there are always going to be a lot of challenges, right? You're going to have delivery challenges. You're going to have uh, huge disappointments on chasing some deals that you come second in. I've come second a lot of times. and. You know, you, you don't want to come second. You want to come last or you want to win, yeah, uh, basically. Yeah. Um, so you have the challenges. But if you set if you set the team up correctly, I I really think, um, and you know, if you get it to a position where everybody is really competent in what they can do, um, without without the pressure there, but if, if people are just, um, you know, if you give them the freedom to perform, I think, and give them the autonomy um, in an environment where they can, actually go out and succeed and grow and have fun at the same time that's uh, it doesn't matter what you're doing then you can you know i happen to be i do sap because i i just know it you know if i was smart enough to build a product and and you know earn money while i sleep etc i would i just i just don't know how to do that um i, I wish i did um but you know whether you're doing salesforce whatever service now um or not even it i think the key is in the culture, and you can feel it, right? You can feel it. In a, it's interesting. We had a Blue Leader reunion. Um, funny, one of the guys just organized it the other day, um, and we went to this restaurant in the Rocks, and there were people in tears, actually, when we got back together. They were so moved to be back, yeah. actually, with, with the team, which sort of speaks volumes about about the culture, right? And it, and it was weird. I even felt like I felt like I was back home. That sounds so corny. But it really did feel like that. It's kind of yeah. yeah, it is amazing, right? So I think it's very hard to do. Um, and interestingly enough, at the moment, on, on the uh, with Jarvis, the, the company that we've just started, we've we've only been going for eight months, but we don't have an office yet, which is so foreign for me, and I'm really struggling with it. But I, I sort of put it as a 
as a vote to everybody whether or not we get an office and and they said nah let's not get an office yet because we're all out on client site but sure but um i think um i'm going to get an office sure, actually, sure. because i think you need to have that daily contact with people you need to be in the team environment i mean not everybody believes that but um Certainly, I think, I mean, COVID changed the world, obviously, and, and you know, you don't have to be in the office every day, but I think if you're in sort of at least 40% of the time, it makes a big difference. And you can bounce ideas off people, you know, and sure. and get the feeling and have the vibes. And like when I came in here, you know, you go down and you have the coffees and you and it's just good. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I remember um, I remember interviewing Clive Mansi. I don't know, if you, don't know if you know him, but um, well, I asked him, you know, what a successful program looks like to him. And obviously... You know, you interview other people and you get there on time and on budget. And, and Clive actually said, it's, it's when you have a reunion. Okay. Mm, yeah. You know, two or three years later and all those people come back. He said, that's the sign of a successful program. And it yeah. really got me thinking. And you, you've kind of alluded that again. Um, I, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, right? It's a, And it's interesting, just going back to when I um, when I started at Progress Pacific, which was, um, which was very interesting. I was so green. I... Honestly, I look back at that now. I just can't believe what I didn't know. It's like I didn't know anything. And um, anyway, we were we were going through, and as I went sort of up the ranks there a little bit, um, I it got to a stage where um, there were quite a few senior players in, and quite a, you know a couple of shareholders, um, and there was a major fallout between um, a couple of the owners and the business. And I was sort of sort of yapping at the heels a little bit. You know, I was really still quite junior. Mm. Um, but wow, I mean that just destroy the company instantly right it really really did for for about a year and a half that was um really ugly and it sort of opened my eyes to what i was saying around the culture is everything right um if you've got a really strong culture and a really good team you can sort of conquer any challenges no matter what they are you can you can get through them but if you have that internal strife where people are not happy um you know some might be being undermined or yeah. whatever it is it's just it's just destroying especially in a small business i mean often i mean every large business has politics everywhere right? i'm not sure I'm, I'm not a large business guy <laughs> and i don't need to knock at different strokes for different folks yeah. um totally and there's some amazingly brilliant companies out there um but just coming back to that i think if you don't get the harmony right in, in small small businesses um you've got no chance right so if you see that happening you just have to you just have to get it resolved very very quickly and i think the the um the key there is just openness and transparency right and get it out on the table and just and just be fair just mm-hmm. be good to people sure, and, then, sure. and then it'll be good yeah. in the end and how do, how do you like culture is obviously it is a buzzword and yeah. you hear it all the time like, how do you how do you know when you you got it right you know you you, you sit you sit in back um, and like you know what we've i think a lot this. of it the business almost starts to run on its own um, you know, um, not entirely. I, I've got a big, a big thing about giving people autonomy. Um, and I love, um, giving people the ability to grow a business within a business. Um, yep. and actually we set that up at Blue Leader. Um, I'd had that at Progress Pacific before. Uh, and really what, what that means is you, you might get a team within the business that acts, um, or not as an independent company, but they're, they, you know, they're a practice and they might focus. So for example, at, um, at my previous business, we had, um, an e-commerce practice, right? And we had a team, and they um, and they did all that. And then we had a CRM practice, and and we had a um, before BTP came around, we we called it Flexible Edge, and we had a Flexible Edge. And then as a, as the company grows, you you create another practice. Um, and if you give people 
all the support and the ability to succeed. And then if they work hard and they enjoy the fruits of their labor, I guess, um, I'm a big one for getting a profit share going and, um, and making sure that, um, you know, just set them up for success and the more successful they are, the more successful you are, right? So try and make them as successful as you possibly can. Um, and then, you know, autonomy, they, they, they start to just love it and people have the freedom, uh, to, uh, perform, but they also have, you know, the, the secure blanket that they can fall back on and they, they know that, um, you know, if it's times are tough, then they can, you know, almost come back to the mothership, uh, if you like. And it's quite nice because if you get four or five practices operating, three are kicking goals while the other one is struggling and, and, and so it goes, and then you just move forward as a business. And I think, um, setting up that culture, um, there for them where they can just have fun and go and do their projects and only reach out when they need to reach out. Of course we work as a team and help on all the, um, you know, all the back end stuff and, um, and the sales, especially we would give a lot of support. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, th I think you, you can just feel it when it's firing. Right. Yeah. I learned so much from, from you, Robin, but like, one question I had as well is, um, you know, when you invest so much into something and you mentioned there, you might have three or four practices and three king goals and one's not. Yeah. With the, the one that might not be, how do you know when to cut your losses? Yeah. Um, I've got an interesting story that, about that. I think um, oh, it's it's tough, right? Because it can be market conditions, it can be anything that changes, it can be personalities. So we try to start um, we try to start a Microsoft business actually at Blue Leader, and it was a huge dilemma as to, I mean, you don't realize um, how hard it is going into a vertical that you don't know, mm. um, and uh, so we hired an excellent practice manager, is fantastic. But the first year and a half was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, and, you know, you at best breaking even. Yeah. But actually, if you were to turn it upside down, you know, you're nowhere near breaking <laughs> even. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I think uh, it's a it's a difficult one there to, to answer. I mean, if you really feel like um, it's just not working for whatever reason, I think, I think you know, after you've given it a, a good go, so long as you don't pull the carpet out from, from anybody, if you don't, honor what you've said you're going to honor mm. uh, for argument's sake. Um, but then, you know, if the time, if it's not right, I would, I would just move on, um, in the nicest possible way and try and redeploy the people that might be in the team into, into other teams. I've never actually had to do that. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, we, we've never had a, um, practice that we've had to, uh, dissolve, mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, the, the Microsoft one was hard and, and it's interesting because, uh, we got acquired again, um, uh, by DXC. Mm. You know, the Microsoft practice really started to kick goals just as we started to get acquired, which was, you know, a bit of a missed opportunity, unfortunately. But it, you know, it's it swings around us, yeah, I guess. So. And so, obviously, now you know you're eight months into this new venture with with Jarvis. Can you can you tell us a little bit about Jarvis and where you go? I can. The market? I, uh, absolutely. So um, that was excitement. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it, it's interesting about how to how to talk about that. I was just laughing because. Um, once again, it's a it's an SAP consultancy, um, and I think there's a real, um, I think there's a real space in the market um, for a tier two. I mean, yeah. we we literally I've never started, and this is a, I've never started from nothing, right? I've always come into well, my two, I mean, always, but um, progress specific, I came in, I knew nothing, and I grew up through the business, and then Blue Leader when I um, when I joined that company, it was already an established brand. Um, they were leading in the market in CRM. 
lots of other challenges, but yeah. they were really sort of, I think, 12 or 13 people. Yeah. Um, and it's very different when you start from nothing. Um, and I'd forgotten how hard it is. Actually, yeah. just the basic stuff you have to do is tedious, man. You've got to become an SAP partner. And I know all the leadership team at SAP pretty well, obviously, because I've been working with them forever. But that doesn't help you when you have to become an SAP partner. You still mm -hmm. have to put the application in. You still got to do that. You still got to deal with all the challenges of, of all that sort of gear. And, and then you've got to get all your systems in place. And then you've also, you've got to convince people to come and join you, right? So um, just coming back to the Jarvis opportunity, I think um, uh, there's definitely an opportunity both from, from an employee's point of view and uh, people in the market as well as customers to provide an alternative to the traditional massive players, right? Yep. I, I think, yeah. um, and and the aim, our aim is um, to be able to uh, provide, I mean, you can't provide the same level of expertise because you're so small. I mean, at the moment, we're only 10 people. We, we effectively started in May, yep. um, but the aim has been that we can really give some people a really good run for their money mm. in terms of capability. Um, so we've been lucky enough to attract some amazing people like seriously good players in the market all very very um senior um people that can uh walk into customers and go by reputation yeah. right um based on based on past lives um and that's the aim and then also to build the business around them so what we're doing is we're doing the traditional sap consulting yep um getting ready for the supposed wave of S4 migrations that yep. are going to go. I don't mean that uh, in a funny way. It's going to happen, right? Yep. But everybody's been calling it for, for ages. Um, what we don't do, I think we do the traditional um, consulting. We do uh, project and program management, a lot of strategy work, a lot of um, architecture work, value realization and implementation and BTP. So mm -hmm. that's, our, that's our area. We've got you know a few contractors as well at the moment. Um, and we're starting and we're winning our first real direct customers and we're starting to get referenceable projects, which is also when you start, you don't realize how valuable that is. Mm -hmm. It's re you really, really need that, right? Um, so that's what we do. We don't do HR. Um, we don't do spend management in terms of concur and procurement in terms of uh, a re We do procurement within SAP, but we don't do a REBA. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the stuff we we do. Yeah, for sure. And what's some of the um, the challenges been? I know you mentioned the licensing there, but what other challenges have you kind of come across? Getting people to, um, I think, there, there are a number of challenges. I mean, obviously, attracting people um, is the one challenge. I'm, I'm quite lucky, I guess, in that I've been successful before. So people sort of um, lean on that success a little bit. Um, but uh, the challenges in the market are um, for customers actually to take you seriously and for you to get a seat at the table. Um, you know, and and the challenges for me is I don't have my team that I used to have. <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Or our team as a company, it's like, and and you got to go out there, and I'm I'm literally pounding the streets. I mean, like I haven't done that for ten years. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, you go to the customer, you, you you talk to them, you know exactly how the project should run. You've done it two or three times before, at least. You know the people, but then for them to actually commit to you. And they, are you a financially viable organization? If you don't do well, are they going to be able to sue you? Uh, all, <laughs> all that, all that type of stuff, right? Is um, is a challenge just to just to convince people to go with you. And um, there's only so far that relationship goes. I mean, a lot of people know me in the market, but again, you still got to be, you still got to get runs on the board, right? So that's 
that's the thing. And that's actually been the, 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 the biggest challenge for me and the most frustrating yeah. uh, part of it is that, oh my God, I, I just feel like I should be, you know, 60, 80 people already, but you've got to go through that process. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that's, that sounds like a, a crazy thing to do. And hopefully I don't uh, get tripped up in it and hopefully the market hasn't changed. But I think if you stick to your, if you just stick to, honestly, you just don't cheat people. Yep. You're honest and you do a good job and you stand up to your mistakes, right? Yep. Everybody makes mistakes. There's always a challenge on a project. There's always something that goes wrong in UAT or there's always something that goes wrong when you're testing. Own it, right? And don't try and BS your way through it. Just mm. come stand up. It's our fault. We'll get it fixed. And that's how you earn respect, I think. Yeah, mm, sure. And you mentioned, I guess, obviously around the market at the moment, there's, there is certainly a gap around those tier two consultancies. Um, and we're seeing, you know, more and more come onto the market at the minute. But, but what are some of the benefits that, of customers of using a tier two consultancy versus, you know, the likes of a tier one and big four? Well, I, I mean, the immediate thing that springs to mind is um, agility mm. and flexibility, right? Uh, you know, often if you, if you engage a tier one, um, you need to have all your legals in place. You need the SOWs like signed off and, and even the SOWs internally by the tier ones get reviewed by a hundred people you've never met, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Mm. Um, and they're very, very careful and cautious around um, any legalities. I think um, the tier, number one, the culture and the ease of engagement is just like they're streets apart, right? They, they really, really are. So you've hopefully you've got the same players but you know the one that the team's ready to engage immediately they can phone you up and say oh can you help and often the tier the the, the tier twos will just turn a blind eye to um some of the checks and balances i guess and i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean in terms of ease of engagement yeah. mm. um they'll get in there if there's a if there's a problem to solve they'll just get in uh, don't worry about it. let's not worry about how but we'll just fix it for you quickly and yeah. then we'll talk about it later um, not only that, um, so that that's the that's the immediate thing that springs to mind. I think value for money as well. Um, sometimes, not always. I mean, the, the small guys can't do what the big guys do. Obviously, yeah. they can't. Um, but they can uh, be a lot more aggressive um, in how they operate, and they don't have huge back offers to, to pay yeah. for, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely not going at. There's a place some people are, are you know, f enjoy large corporates. Um, some people enjoy both, um, but there's a place for both, uh, both. And I think, um, yeah, if you only have the one available in the market, it gets a bit tired yeah. and people want to have both and they want competition. Yeah. Sure. Very cool. Okay. I'm going to, um, one of the last questions that we, we always ask our guests is, um, and I'm going to ask you to think about this, but who else you would like to invite onto the, the podcast to listen to, but you don't have to answer that now um because we're we're talking about jarvis consulting um what does the future hold for for jarvis like, where do you um, where do you want to take the honestly i uh the future for i i genuinely think the future is bright for us um we've got team a team of people right now that are very talented right and they're very hungry and they're very excited to be where they are so um my challenge is to take us to the next level i think once you break through to 25, 30 people, you can start to do bigger programs of work. Um, and then, you know, it just sort of kicks on like that. At the moment at 10, you're sort of scrambling a little bit and you're trying to win, you're desperate to win all your work, etc. 
Uh, not that you're never desperate to win all your work, but you know you really need it. Um, so I think uh, from from a future point of view, and I mentioned to you before, um, like I know I've sold two businesses. Um, you know, I I haven't always been that keen to sell them, uh, uh, to be honest. Um, and but you never say never. You just never know what's out there in the market. You never know any conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think from from a Java's point of view, um, I would just love us to be. 35, 40 people upwards of that, um, and doing a good job and people and having a good brand, um, you know, actually. And so that people will know you. It's interesting. Like uh, the one thing we don't have at Jarvis right now, I'm up, you know, when I was a progress specific, we were known as logistics experts, warehouse management leadership in that space, right? Blue leader. We were partner of the year, CX, um, five years in a row, yeah. um, something like that. So we had that, but at Jarvis, we don't actually have that. What we have is we have unbelievably talented people in the in the tier two space but it's hard to be an expert of finance or hard to be an expert of of logistics and i think um just being honest um i see that as one of the challenges that we have and i think um as we go along i can see one or two areas of specific niche uh, expertise um coming along Mm. and because it's really helpful if you are the best at something yeah if you even though and it's interesting like a blue leader this is funny. Nobody knows this, but at Blue Leader, we were the CX guys. Mm. But if you turn the business upside down, CX was twenty percent of our revenue. Wow, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's how you, and it's how you put yourself out to the market. But it was very, very beneficial um, to have that uh, because anything that came up CRM, SAP, just yeah. it's almost a door opener, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. totally. And so we don't really have the door open at the moment, other than our reputation. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sort of. I'm pondering that and the door opening issue mm. at the moment. But to, but to come back to your answer, uh, to um, come back to your question and answer it, I think, um, uh, yeah, we just we want to be a really fun and good company to to be working with, basically. Yeah. Excellent. And then, um, yeah, that, you know, who to bring on? Yeah. You were you're asking me, you know, uh, if you're going to get Elon on. I think uh, <laughs> I think I'd go. I'd, I'd, I'd go with with Joe Rogan. Yeah. I think. Um, no, coming down. I don't know. Maybe maybe you should guys should go for um, you know uh, CEO of maybe you've had. I haven't had a check of who, but maybe a CEO of one of the um, the big large multinationals mm-hmm. uh, consulting business would be hard to get them on, right? I don't, I don't know, but just to, just to provide a um, a different flavour. So my vote would be Elon first. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise one of those guys. <laughs> Robin, I really enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, we've we've learned an awful lot as well. And uh, you looking kind. forward, looking forward to seeing your journey with Jarvis and yeah. Consulting. Thank yeah, you. best of luck. All right, thanks, thanks very much. Cheers. All right, it was great to be on. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Configure It Done podcast.